Good afternoon. Welcome to LB Show, LaWanda's show. So today I have my special guest, James Thomas. He was here with us on June the 26th, and he talked about the neighborhood that we give you all a synopsis of what we talked about. James basically told us about Shepherd um, neighborhood in Washington, D.C., how he grew up, what he was exposed to. So now he's going to move on to how he became a legend. So once again, thank you all for listening. Hopefully your day is going well. And now we have James. So James, um, thank you again for joining us. Um, uh, we're so excited about hearing about your legend, how you became a legend. And so now we want to basically hear all about it. So my listeners definitely want to know, how did you become a legend and why it became, why um, that you are a legend? It's funny that you asked that, you know, it's a definition of a legend. What is a legend? So a lot of times you have legend of people doing outstanding things, uh, such as Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. We have a lot of legends. Um, the main history throughout the United States of America. I'm truly not one of those sort of trends. So I'm not a legend in that regard. You have sports legends like Michael Jordan, uh, Emmett Smith, I can name a few, Tom Brady, they call him the GOAT. Uh, but I'm just talking about in the realm that I lived in, the realm that I was uh, circulating in or hung out in. And you had something really called a street legend. Huh? Um, I became a street legend uh, probably when I was started high school. In the beginning of my high school, it pretty just, so it just happened that way. And you know, I just want to recap on how the, the legend of really my name is my, my name is James Thomas, but I go by AKA Priest. So Priest started when I was a little boy with a basketball player named Tony Priest. Uh, a friend of mine in my neighborhood called me Toad, then they started calling me Priest. And that just carried over, um, you know, till to this day. So the legend of, of priests, or well, the legend of priests, because that's really my people know me in the street realm or outside of the household, or from a professional standpoint, as priest. Uh, some of my closest friends will call me priest. Uh, and again, when I was talking about the neighborhood, the schools that we were going to, so we went to Shepherd Elementary School. And I was telling you how Paul was like a culture shock to a lot of us coming out of Shepherd. Uh, again, in, I was popular in, in elementary school uh, as far as I had a lot of girls who liked me. You had to just try to imagine light-skinned, big old curly bush, but that wasn't uh, so cool at Paul. Um, a lot of people were more or less trying to be gangsters, as I reiterated before, uh, like the untouchables. They want to be hard. They wanted to be tough. So I went through my Paul career uh, just as a kid, you know, just having fun going to school. Uh, eighth grade, you know, nobody really picked on me then. I just mind my business. I didn't have a girlfriend. But as I started to get older, especially going into ninth grade, uh, you know, I started playing football and I guess my look was looking a little different and more mature. And that's when the girls really, really started to like me. Um, you know, I never really had, had a problem with, you know, just going, I'm not bragging or boasting. But really going after a girl, a lot of girls would come to me to try to get to know me. Oh, so you were one of the good-looking guys. Oh, uh, well, I don't know about that. Right? <laughs> uh, the girls, all the girls loved your curly hair, huh? Oh, they like okay. light skin, curly hair. That's another conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. At that time, I guess light skin was in. Okay. Uh, so everybody, you know, like the light skin boys with 
so-called good hair. I don't know what that means either. But I was becoming more popular, you know. Had some girls in, at fall that really liked me. Maybe had a girlfriend or two. Um, I was fortunate because my brother, you know, at the poem, a lot of us went to Cooter's High School. Mm-hmm. And my brother um, was is two years older than me. So he was at Cooter's already. He was a senior. And he opened the doors for me when I got there. So, I, you know, as any younger brother, you look up to your oldest brother. Now, my brother was not so-called, uh, you know, a, a fighter. Uh, he was a nice guy, but, I mean, he was not in the street terms. He wasn't a punk. He wasn't a sucker. Everybody respected him. Uh, he was a uh, hell of an athlete. He played football and baseball, and I was just looking at him. I said, I can't wait to go to Cooters. I was playing at Silver Spring Boys and Girls Club in ninth grade. I followed my brother through, all the way up through 12th grade, going to his games, seeing my family. So I couldn't wait to uh, wear that orange and gray. So at this particular time, when I got to Coolidge, I was not so ordinary 10th grade. A lot of friends in my neighborhood, we, again, separated again. A lot of them went to Gonzaga, uh, the Girls went to Notre Dame, Georgetown Prep, Tim Well Friends, you know, schools of that sort. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the backstory to let you know what's going on. So now we're coming into really that era uh, 78, 79, and we more or less getting into the party scene. Okay. So, you know, my parents are trusting us, my grandparents are raised by them, are trusting me, my father, to go out. You know, I had my big brother with me, he's in 12th grade. So we started going out. Um, and that's where we met a lot of people. I know in ninth grade, it's it's it's, it's because we're on the cusp, D.C. and Silver Spring. Okay. So it's because of that, you know, I made a connection, um, with people who lived in the Wheaton area. Uh, I was dating a girl that lived and went to Kennedy High School, had a good friend that went to Kennedy also. Mm-hmm. So we had connections there. Uh, friends around the corner went to uh, St. Albans, uh, across the street with the Sidwell friends. So we had, uh, it was diverse. So I'm saying that to say that on the weekends, we had a diverse uh, of places where we can go, where the, the parties were gonna be, like holding names and places like that, right over Army. So all this is coming, coming, and the popularity is building up. You know, the Thomas boys, me and my brother. You all were the good, considered the good-looking boys, the boys that knows where the parties right, are. Right, right. So we're becoming, becoming okay. pop. Okay. Uh, I've never really been in at that time a major fight. I've never been in a really, you know, some scuffles here and there, but nothing really. So there was this major going one-on-one. So at Calvin Coolidge, uh, again, playing football, you know, and my brother uh, didn't make the ball that year, played JV. But in the cafeteria at Calvin Coolidge, his friends, we were all coming together at the table and figure out what we were going to do over the weekend. Okay. And then we started a, a group called the Untouchables. So we all used to take off the names of the Untouchables, the gangsters like Babyface Nelson, okay. Elliot Ness. We all had names. So what this, was your name? Uh, I forgot what my name was. I, I really did. Because somebody took Pretty Boy Floyd. Okay. Uh, I guess he thought he was pretty to me. Uh, Babyface Nelson, I think that was my brother. And somebody else was Elliot Ness. But I was with somebody. So we, we, we took on that look, that persona. When we went to parties, we would have, we would dress down to the tea, had a little tip of the billows, we had little dogs. And everybody would meet at front of my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. where I live. So everybody will meet there, they'll call, and this is no lie, uh, Saturday start at 5 o'clock, we get 15 or 20 calls. Where's the party, John? Where's the party, priest? Where we gonna meet? So this is where all the legend stories started to take place. 
So we going to parties, we doing all these things, having fun, having a good time. It was like a senior year for me, because my brother's a senior, I'm hanging out with seniors, but they, they never really treated me like a 10th grader. Okay. But at this time, I'm getting bigger, I'm getting stronger, I'm getting more boisterous. Mm-hmm. Um, my personality is coming up. So you're changing. I'm so changing. Before I was kind of shy, kind of timid, I was laid back. But when I got to Coolidge, I was a little more boisterous now. I'm becoming a little more, more tough, confident, a little more little confident, more tougher. Okay. And little my top girls are liking me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming popular, uh, becoming a man. So the legend started this particular night, and I'll never forget. There was a party at Gonzaga High School. My what mate, year was this? It was 1979, 78, 79. Okay. I think it was the spring. I think football season was over. Maybe during that time period in the fall. Okay. My next door neighbor, not next door, my neighbor across the street went to Gonzaga. So he told us about the party, but ironically, he did not go that particular day. The Untouchables, we really didn't go all together. Some went to some other parties, but me and my brother decided to go to Gonzaga. My girlfriend at the time was born, and some other people in the neighborhood wanted to go to the Gonzaga party, and some other people with the Untouchables went to a party somewhere out in Silver Spring, I can't remember at the time. But any group you have enforcers. So we really didn't know who to identify as forces, but we knew some people in our group, if something happened, they would throw down and have your back. Okay. But this particular time, we didn't really have the the throw downers with us. So we had the party, everything is going fine. People in my neighborhood, did that go to Coolidge? We rolled with them. And we went to the party that day. So the Shepherd Park crew. Right, Shepherd Park guys went there, but they okay. went to schools like St. John's or some other places. So they really wasn't built like me and my brother. So the party's going good. We having a lot of fun, like it's always, always. And um, you know, we dress kind of differently. We we wore in the preppy. We, we come out looking sharp. More you conservative. Know. Nah, we were, we were stylish. We 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 know we got our slacks on. Uh, uh, you know over. Probably shirts, outdoors, still collar, uh, collar bars, bars on your collar. We're looking nice. I mean, we okay. always come out looking, you know, sharp when we went to the park. So people could tell, you know, these people, you know, maybe they have a little money or something like that. They, they got some main brand stuff at that time wasn't that popular, but we did have some things of that nature. Okay. So when I come out, I never forget this now. When I came out of Gonzaga, I see a group of guys around some of my friends I came to the party with. And they were jumping them, trying to take their hats, trying to take their money. Now, it's a picture in my mind because I ain't been through that kind of scene before because Paul has built me this way and coming into Coolidge has built me this way. Okay. So I seen that. I seen people get jumped. to myself getting jumped when I was a little boy, when I was about 13 or 12 years old. So these were bullies. They bullies, but now I'm 15. But never in, in my right mind or ideal think that was going to happen at a private school. It kind of threw me off. Okay. But I'm going to tell you that, but you know, I found out the reason behind that. So when I came outside, the guy was trying to take another guy's hat. And I went around on the other side of the car and I said, man, you ain't taking nothing over here. So he said, what? And he came over and we had some words. Okay. It was the priest, I guess he was monitoring, the father was monitoring the uh, parking lot. And he told me to get in the car. He said, man, son, don't worry about it, get in the car. I don't know where my brother was at a particular time, but my brother came out, he came out late. 
and the guy surrounding them, the group of guys surrounding him, and the movie that was popular that was called The Warriors. And they were saying, Warriors, come on to play. So the next day I know my brother, he's rushing about two guys, and he got them on top of the car, about three of them on their back. And that's when I jumped out of the car. And a guy spit on me, and I, I, I threw a punch at him. And next day I know it was just a melee. It was just me and my brother fighting back to back. Just you and your brother? Me and my brother going back to back. What happened to the rest of the crew? Other guys are in the car. My girlfriend is crying. They didn't give us no help. That same father, he got me again. He said, come on, son, get in the car. He pulled me down the hill. I said, no, no, my brother, brother, I got to go get him. So when I went back up the hill, my brother was coming down. He was mad. He was upset. Nose busted. Said, we're coming back to get you. Woo, woo, woo. That night when we and my brother went home, because we had twin beers in our room, we just looked at each other, started laughing and smiling, mm-hmm. and we shook our head. And, and then the next morning, this is where the legend was born. The next morning, the friends that were with me that particular day, that night, they started showering me with gifts, started, started apologizing to me, preach, I'm sorry this happened, and they were building me up. Why were they giving you gifts? Because I was out there protecting them. I was the enforcer. See, they didn't mess with me. I was protecting them. Okay. So now they, they are building me up. They already put a stamp on me that I'm the enforcer now. I'm the fighter now. I'm going to protect them. Okay. And they were giving me like their albums, uh, part of the fucking Delic albums, uh, what you need. Uh, I'll humbly, you know, I'm sorry and very apologetic at that time. That's when the legend of Priest was born. From that time on, I was always considered the one in my neighborhood to be the enforcer, to take up for those guys. I took up for those guys time in and time out. I could give you countless, countless of times I got in fights, people trying to take their sweaters, doing all kinds of things to them. But they were always hide around Priest Priest, we get ready to get in the fight. Where's Priest? Where's Priest? Where's Priest? So the legend was born. Okay. A lot of times, I didn't want to live that. I, 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 I inherited that. Just off of that one night. And I, I took that mentality. Trust me now. I took that aggressive mentality all the way to uh, college. Coming out of high school, I wasn't going to be messed with. But I went down to Hampton University. I had the same mentality. I had chips on my shoulder. You because know, now you you are out there fighting and you are basically protecting all your friends. Right. And now they have identified you as the legend. So this legend now that you have to um, uphold to right. that name. And it. so with you upholding to that name, where does that take you into your life as far as the legend? It took me, like I said, it took me all the way up to really in my 30s. I mean, any party I go to, anywhere I went, people always fear that preachers going to get in the fight. That's because everybody knew each right. other. Right, so I'm a street legend now. I'm known for fighting. Mm-hmm. also known for having the ladies. Okay. You know, so I'm a man's man. I'm a good mm-hmm. athlete. Mm-hmm. Popular. Okay. You know where the parties are. Every priest, priest, priest. Okay. So everybody was, you know, I had a pocket. And, and, you know, if you, if you think I'm telling the story, ask my brother. When I was having a hand, I had about five, six guys with me. When I sat down, they sat down. 
When I left the room, they left the room. They followed my lead, being good or bad, good, bad, or ugly. They will follow what I did. You know, when we went to Hampton, a lot of those friends went buck wild because of me. I opened the door to them, to negative behavior. Got in so many fights down in Hampton to one fight where they pressed charges on me, trying to get me with attempted maiming charge. So all of this, now I'm a legend in Hampton. Big fight in Norfolk, big fight all over. So I'm a legend there. People know me for fighting, I came out for some mess. So, so in my, my, my crazy thinking then, I thought that got my respect. I thought fighting um, maybe somebody and never got a dime for it. So I can tell you countless stories of incidents and fights that I got into. So basically, from Coolidge High School on up until college, there was a lot of fist fighting. So basically, you all fist fight. You all didn't use guns. You all didn't use knives and things like that. No weapons were involved when you all were fighting. Um, that no, right? that's not true. I mean, you know, I got jumped several times in high school. But was there a weapon? Uh, I got hit with a hammer. Uh, my friend got poked in the eye with an umbrella. Mm-hmm. Uh, chair fights. Um, people pick up sticks. But no guns or knives. Can you, is that safe? I, mean, I got in a fight with, with a guy put out a knife later on in my life. Later on in your life, but not doing what, from 1979 and up? 1979 to about the early 90s. So, okay. You know, at least once a year, I'll be in some kind of fistful cup, some kind of altercation, some kind of fight. Why do you think that is? Because I have to live up to that to that name. Um, you know, I can't back down. I can't show show that I, I'm a coward. I can't surrender. So, so people expect that out of me. Okay. You know, I mean, even parties they would have my name on the list. Do not let him in. But mind you, I never started no fight. Nine times until I would start a fight. There's always somebody messing with one of my friends or somebody like that because once my name got out there, nine times ten nobody's going to bother you. Now going back to that Gonzaga situation, you got to realize you had certain quarters, which was the project adjacent to Gonzaga. So those were the certain quarter kids coming over, and they fooled us. They were from the ages maybe eight all the way up to seventeen. You mean eight? They were at a party. Eight years old, I mean, just hanging out, trying to cause problems, trying to create problems. There's always a, a thing with private school and public school. Mm-hmm. People go to public school and think that the kids that went to private schools are soft mm-hmm. and they can take advantage of them. So the project kids came over there trying to get some of those Gonzaga kids. So they probably was they probably were doing that anyway. You know, that old they private school, we're gonna go rob them, we're gonna take this stuff, things like that, but they didn't know they were in the rude awakening that uh I went to a public school, me and my brother, so we were used to that kind of behavior. But people started to, to worship us more like idolize us more like. So how did you feel about being idolized and um, be called a legend? And you feel as though that has taken you into your adult life as well? Well, and, and if we move on to my story, that means that I, I didn't have fear of anything. Uh, I thought I was invisible, okay. which, which really led me into my drug addiction because I didn't think nothing could stop so what caused you to, um, you know, now I understand you're a legend, and so now you have to carry on with that name, and so now there's a different type of behavior you're being introduced to. Right, because you, you, your behavior is, 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 they put a label on you. I, they expect me to act this way. And, and not being as smart and educated as I am now, 
But why? You know, I gave them what they wanted. You know, people looked at me in, in a certain way. Don't mess with him. He's wild. He's crazy. You know, it's more or less like a fear factor. And, and, and that, that kind of hurt me. Because, you know, when I was doing things that were detrimental to my health, you know, that bothered me. You know, holding that, holding that kind of legend. It, it wasn't like a legend in sports or legend in, in other things. So just say, for instance, Michael Jordan, you expect him to score 30 some points. Exactly. You expect him to do certain things on that basketball court, in that environment. Same with me, you expect that out of me. You know, people who looked up to me or my fans, like I said, every time something went down, uh, they come to get me. And that hurt me though, that hurt me in a lot of ways of, of, of networking and, and, and just building things up. So let's go back to when you were fighting at Gonzaga and the next morning, they identified you as being a legend. And so they would just shower you with gifts and um, things of importance to them at you all's age. Um, how did you feel about them identifying you as a legend? And now that you are a legend, so did it, did this, were you ex, um, exposed more so to fighting? Well, or, like I said, again, um, they really didn't say, oh, please, you're a legend. It's just people started to look up to me. Okay. So, like I said, anytime we'll go to a particular venue or party, those group of guys, they knew I had their back. You know, I was the shield of protection. I was the enforcer of the group. So how did you feel about being taken on that title yourself? Um, still as though you have to protect anyone who's with you. Well, I felt good about it. You know, it makes you feel good at that age. And being macho, you're going to be a man. Um, that nobody can ask with you, you know, it felt real good. You had that persona. Because I wasn't taking shit off of nobody. Okay. And people around me, man, you know, they knew that. You know, they were the females, even. You know, they knew they were behind me. Oh, come get me. You know, such, such, do mess with me. But a lot of times I knew a lot of people. So, oh, that's priest, that's priest, uh, girl, that, well, that's priest friend. Well, we fan priest, you know, something like that. So I had a lot of respect in a lot of communities to try to really squash a lot of things. But sometimes when we mix the two alcohol and um, things like that, and, and that mentality, it, it makes you a little aggressive. So you basically upheld that name throughout. So that put a lot of responsibility on you because now that you are a legend, you know, it couldn't have been just one off where, you know, you fight someone and yeah, we all together and I'm protecting you because we all came together. Mm -hmm. But now anytime anyone gets into a fight who happen to be someone that you know yeah. and if you're at the same party, then you're gonna take on their battles for them. Right. Well they knew they knew I'll be involved, you know, they knew I'll come in. It worked. You had a lot of legends out there who were good fighters out there. Exactly. That, that we respect. And, you know, I was one of them. You know, I, was, I had to be the top 10. Okay. Uh, been in a lot of wars. I mean, physical wars and confrontations. Um, so the first thing, I mean, to this day, you know, friends that I grew up with, the, the first thing that's going to come to their mind is the fighter fight. Please like the fight. I never did like the fight. Now I don't think nobody really, some people might like the fight. I never really liked the fight. Just, you know, I inherited that. 
and I haven't lived up to that. So like, without that, I can't move. I can't show no signs of weakness, you know, because if, if I'm getting beat up and losing, you know, I want to lose my title as a legend. So I always had to, I always had to hold my own. Like, like I said, uh, Lamont, I took that same mentality when I went to Hampton. So when you got up there, HBCU, just like, uh, uh, I mean, you got people from all over. Exactly. You got people from New, New York, Newark, Philly, Baltimore, all kind of major cities, Atlanta, and they come with with some of the main mentality that you had. So, you know, so nobody wanna appear to be, especially men at that particular time, nobody wants to appear to be weak or a suffer. So, but could some of these fights have been avoided? Could some of these fights that um, you were in, were they absolutely, did you start any of them or did you um, provoke? Well, it, it, you know, it's still ignorance because like I said, we went to Hampton, we were strong. We were 250 strong, you and me. And uh, we carried it that way, I mean, you know, to the point that we were cocky. You know, I never get the risk in one of the first Super Bowl. And we on the yard, I'm picking people up. Uh, if you went for the Redskins, we, we'd throw you down, punch them, uh, kick you, and, and keep you moving, you know? Yeah, so so we, we had a, a, a thug like mentality. In, in college, we were acting like thugs. Yeah. So you were roughing folks out? Roughing people out, um, robbing the uh, pizza man, going to 7-Eleven, taking cases of beer. I'm laughing at because of the silly mm-hmm. stuff we were doing and food. And we probably there in college getting an education. So we we went buck wild and, and, and sad to say, I was the ring meal. You know, they followed my lead. So you know, what's your well, was your uh, father and your grandparents, did they, were they aware that you Well, they were aware of that I, I got a lot of fights because it, it caused me, I broke my hands so many times for fighting. Also, uh, you know, they were aware that uh, my father used to always say, I know who's calling, when they, who they asked for. They asked for James, I know it's professional. They asked for priests, he said, I know it's one of them dudes, you know, out of the street. So that was my street name, priest. So they were aware of it. They were aware of my temper. My father said somebody was going to kill me because I, I couldn't control it. You know, somebody was going to hurt me. So, you know, by the grace of God, you know, that did not happen. And I thank the Lord for that. So, what did your grandparents think with all this going on? Grandparents, they, you know, they were kind of in the backdrop. Uh, more or less, if my father handled it. Uh, like I said, I got locked up for fighting, uh, maiming somebody. And uh, when my parents had to get get money for me to bail me out of jail in the court hands, so the fighting never led to anything good. You know, like I said, I never got paid for it. I wish I would have went into boxing. Yeah. Oh, UFC wasn't at that time, but just like social media, the word gets out, you know. We didn't have social media back then. So it was just word of mouth, you know. Don't mess with him. So how did that make you feel, though? I mean, people looking at you from this perspective, do you think it was a positive way that they were looking at you? Well, I mean, again, you know, I, don't, I don't mean to cut, but we didn't, we didn't give an F. I mean, we sucking. I mean, if, if you weren't in my set, you know, we had an F you uh, mentality. You know, hell with you. We, you know, we had a group of people who had like minds. We were thinking the same way. So I didn't care what they thought about me. And, and I went extra hard because of the neighborhood I lived in. And I didn't like a lot of people in that neighborhood because they thought they were better than other people. So now that you are an adult and you're talking, you're sharing your story, 
if you were to go back to that time, what would you have changed? Would you have changed them identifying you as a legend? Would you have, instead of fighting, would you have used that energy towards something else? Or would you have, and even with being in Paul, you know, them trying to bully you because you are very fair-skinned, with very um, nice, um, curly-type hair, um, what would you say to someone who's listening to this now, who actually, you know, but on a different level, where they're now today, they're using guns, they're using knives, you know, they're using weapons that actually take people's lives. And these are young people, and I'm talking about like, I mean, you know, grown folks, I'm talking about young people, people from the age of what, 12 to 13 and on up to 21 years old, if right. not older. So what would you tell them that you being a legend, given this responsibility, because this is a huge responsibility mm-hmm. when someone identifies you as a legend and you got to hold up to that because now um, any fight that you get in, you must win. Right. Got to hold your own. Yeah. Right. So yeah. what would you tell the young folks today that, you know, fighting doesn't solve anything. Mm-hmm. Um, fighting doesn't make you this um, this person that people are going to always remember. Right. But what they will remember is, hey, he was always fighting, mm-hmm. right? He was the one who, you know, yeah, he will protect us, but man, we can depend upon this guy, even if they started the fight, mm-hmm. right? So it puts you in a very awkward position to always run to help your fellow brother right which you know and and, and in a sense that's a good thing because Mm -hmm. now within the community we don't help each other right where you could have used that same energy and said hey you know can we talk about this what is so bad that we have to fight about it yeah right um so tell me um, well a lot of times it's just hard because you know situation that sometimes the only way out is to fight your way out of it Okay. Um, because if you deal with stress or flight, you got two options. Either you're going to run or you're going to fight that stress. Um, but I tell any if you're in school, go to the adults, uh, you know, talk to the counselors that you're being bullied. Bullying is real, and I'm a school teacher, so it is real. And we talk about conflict resolution and try to get the two parties involved. But outside of that, outside of the school realm, that's where the problem is. Because you might know how to reason. You might know how to talk to an individual. Even me as an adult man, I know how to talk. I know how to reason. But you have a lot of people who do not have those coping skills, and they they get emotional and they want to do something uh, volatile to you. So that's called self-defense. I, I never say promote fighting, but you have to defend yourself in certain situations. I would never, um, you know, I mean, my brother always had it. I mean, we're going home together. We're not going to leave nobody. Right or wrong, we're going to go home together. And we'll talk about it, go to our parents, grandparents, and let them handle the situation. I would never leave my brother out there by himself. Till this day, if, you know, somebody put his hand hand on my brother, it's going to be a problem. And it's likewise. Somebody put a hand on me, it's going to be a problem. And, and that's how we just were growing up. Um, but we'll try to, you know, that approach. You, you try to reason, um, you know, for the school kids, the young people who are being bullied. Please go to the teacher. If that doesn't work, go to your counselor. Try to get some conflict resolution. Do not 
do not internalize it. Do not keep it all bottled up because eventually you're going to explode. And that's why we have a lot of people getting hurt and harmed. And um, along with that, um, the people who are being bullied sometimes commit suicide because they don't know exactly how to um, manage that pain that they're feeling being bullied. Um, And that's one of the things that's happening. People are being bullied and it's going... um, Unnoticed. Exactly. So what do you do? I mean, how do you... Why do you think bullies came up? Came up. I mean, bullies is people who, who don't love themselves or don't like themselves and, and try to take it, try to take the focus off themselves. Exactly. And that's the main thing, you know. They want to team up. They want to get people behind them. And one of the most vicious games that we play in the black community is joining on one another. Okay. So that's a form of bullying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna look at your character defects. Um, and clothes you wear, things like that, and just pick with you. And I'm trying to get that attention. I'm trying to get that crowd. See, a lot of people want to be uh, liked. Uh, the way I was liked was that I was a good athlete, uh, nice looking, and could fight. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got my popularity. Other people might get their popularity of joking or whatever. So everybody's looking for that attention. It's the same way with social media, how many likes you got, you know, all that kind of thing. So we live in that kind of society yeah, that, that one group of people will team up on another group of people based on where you live, based on how you look, based on what you wear. But you have to love yourself. You know, you just got to love yourself on both sides. But if you're being bullied right now, please go to your parents, go to authority, go to the principal. But the hardest thing is when you're in your community outside of those walls. Because we have social media, cyber bullying, it's more than a schoolyard problem. There's cyber bullying going on with the texting and things of that nature. But the person who's getting bullied, you got to love yourself. Yeah. And just ignore those kind of, that kind of behavior. Yeah, I, but also, I, I suggest now, you know, I don't, I'm not promoting balance. But tell your mother or father, whoever, I need to take a self-defense class. Sometimes you have to fight your way out of situations. You only, you only have two cheeks to turn. You don't have no more after that. And if somebody puts your hands on you or doing something to you, that's all. You have to get out of that situation. Nice. Well, you know, you can also address conflict resolution to right. see how we both can understand because this goes back to, you know, character defects. People yep. look for those things. They feel that as though those are the weak things about that individual. Mm-hmm. You talk about that one thing that may bothers that person internally yeah. right you know because now you like you want to take the onus off yourself because I'm, every, we all have um, um, character default mm-hmm. and so with you fighting well, let me back up right there see it was no conflict resolution at that time okay you had outside forces coming in so when I came out and I assessed the situation you are now doing a uh, criminal act because you're strong-arming somebody, you're trying to take something off an individual. You're trying to take his hat, his money, or something. Now you are a criminal. So now it's, it's past the conflict resolution. You can't talk your way out of this situation. I couldn't talk my way out of that. My brother comes out there jumping my brother. My brother is fighting two or three people. Now I'm forced. Right. You know why I can stop him and say, hey, fella, stop it, stop it. What's the problem? Let's, let's talk our way out of this. 
You follow what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So we had to fight ourselves to get out of that. The stress was here. We, we, we could have ran. But we got to remember, we live uptown. We way down no Capitol Street. It was hard. You can't. The people we riding with, they had to call the door. So was there any type of retaliation? Like nowadays, I mean, back when you were growing up, people, you 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 were you had a fist fight, and it was done. It was no, that's not, that's not necessarily true. It, was, it wasn't that. I mean, in your neighborhood, that might be case. Okay. But you got to remember when you go to different venues or parties, you got people at so many different neighborhoods, just like the go-go. You might have Ridge Park, you might have Upper Northwest, Southeast, Valley Green, Certain Corners. You might have a lot of people in one one uh, venue from 20